guys, welcome to the show. This is the Money Show again with a special guest. Today we have a Dylan Marma. Uh, and you know, we do those real estate shows from time to time for you guys to build up the skills in real estate space. So this show is a special for you because he's a multifamily investor with Brand Partners LLC, which has 75 million assets under management. How many, how many units is that, Dylan? Well, actually, uh, at the end of this week, we're closing on a project right now, so it'll be a little bit over 90 million, and that's going to be uh, about 1,500 units as a team. Started up over, started back in 2013, so it's it's been uh, it's been a good run. Wow, that's crazy, man! 1,500 units. I mean, you know, I, I hope audience wants to be on the same levels. I, I want to be on the same level as you are, so that that's why I'm doing it. You know, from a selfish sure. point, a little bit, you know, and at the, <laughs> at the same time, you know, guys, you're watching, you know, and you know, like real estate is a space, you, you already know it's a good space to be in because, you know, a lot of people just lack the information where to start and what to do, you know, and what resources need to have. So, you know, by having Dylan today on a show, which I really appreciate, I think will give you more insights in, into the space and what it takes to, to start building 1,500 units. I mean, man, come on. So can you just tell the story, how it all started for you and how did you came across the real estate space in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually have been a part of this team. Uh, I, I joined about a month back, but I started in real estate about three years ago. Um, so the company Rand Partners was founded. Many of you may have heard of uh, the part, the two of our partners. We have a group of four of us that that uh, run the business, but it was founded by Jake and Gino back in 2013, starting with a small 25 unit and uh, you know, very humble beginnings, growing a lot of this stuff uh, into a vertically integrated organization from day one. Jake led the uh, the asset and property management stuff. And then um, I got my own start. Actually, I originally grew up in upstate New York, flew out to California to go work for a real estate investing and education company out there uh, where I was surrounded by people from all different realms of the real estate world, whether it's commercial, whether it's multifamily, industrial, a lot of single family, a lot of residential. I saw what the the fix and flip process looked like, um, anything I saw what the wholesale process looked like. So I really got a lot of exposure in a very short time period, about three years working for this group. Um, and it really led me to uh, you know, understanding the fundamentals of how real estate worked. I started off just like most people do with a single family house, uh, cash flowing a few hundred dollars per month. Then I bought a duplex. And then it took me not too long to realize that I needed to get into a a better vehicle or, or and I knew that there was better ways of going out there and, and creating uh, wealth with real estate and I saw the benefits of multifamily I saw the economies of scale that are available to investors I saw that you know with with the efforts that go into one you know 50 or 100 unit deal in multifamily um, you know it would take a, it would take a lot more effort to close on 50 or 100 doors of, of single family so I saw you know just a lot of advantages to multifamily and then I, I really became enamored by process of syndication and how that works and how you can truly create uh, an investment that most people don't have access to and create a true win-win um, both uh, as a company growing an organization scaling using syndication and also offering a, a great product to investors where they can invest and get a true passive income um, through such a good asset yeah yeah 100% of course you, you know real estate I mean so where did it start for you? I mean, the question is like, did you pick up a book or something? Because most of the guys yeah. like they, they read originally for that and they come across, you know, from that side or did you go to the event? Like, how do you find out about the real estate opportunity for, for the first place? Yeah, 
Good question, and I don't have a super unique answer. It's probably the same way a lot of people get into real estate, right? I, I was a, a big reader. I've been a big reader since I was probably about 18. I started picking up a lot of books on different things about personal growth and entrepreneurship. I dabbled in different forms of sales and entrepreneurship. And uh, of course, a lot of what I was reading was uh, the books that led me back to real estate. I think Rich Dad Poor Dad, of course, had a, had a big impact on me. And uh, I remember not only did I read it, but I probably gifted it to about 10 people after reading it because I realized that everyone needs to, to get a hold of this, right? Um, so, so I read you know, a, a lot of different books that, that uh, you know, educated me on different aspects of it. And then I'm really the type to just go all in once I make the decision uh, to go after something. So I, I made a commitment to go out to California. That was not, not because I saw a thriving market in California, but more so because I wanted to live out there and create this kind of lifestyle by design that I had uh, envisioned. So I moved out there and, and uh, you know, interviewed with uh, several companies in terms of real estate, put my resume out anywhere I could. And then I found one that I was, I was very happy to, uh, to be a part of. Um, and I, got, I, I was surrounded by a lot of uh, great mentors. And then into multifamily, it was a similar type of a process, right? At that point, I had established a pretty big network. So I had a lot of you know, really uh, successful high net worth mentors. And I, and I consulted with them to make sure that as I was entering this path, that, that there was the opportunity that I had envisioned um, in place. So that was um, really, really just fortunate to have the right people uh, in my life. Yeah, yeah, okay. Because I have a following question here, you know, about because, you know, the, the team, everything is important. I mean, in the, in the real estate space, uh, you know, I want to talk about it a little bit later, but, you know, when it comes to the real estate, how do you determine your investment criteria? What do you base, base on it? Yeah, so for what we do uh, specifically, right, we're based out of Knoxville, Tennessee. So we're in the heart of the Southeast. We target deals within a four hour drive radius. Uh, so there's a lot of different markets out here. We're currently invested primarily in Knoxville and, and also Louisville, Kentucky. Um, but there's a ton of other cities out here. There's, there's Lexington, there's Nashville, there's Greenville, there's Carolinas, uh, Raleigh, there's, there's Huntsville, there's, there's Atlanta, Birmingham. I mean, you name it, there, there's a lot of cities and there's a lot of growth uh, taking place currently here in the Southeast. There's, there's a lot of tax advantages here. There's good weather here. So people from up north and around the Rust Belt are starting to move down south and, and take advantage of that for themselves. So we see a lot of you know, population migration moving into the area. Now, what we really look for is we target really our bread and butter is, is workforce housing. So there's a lot of blue collar, uh, industrial, and some some healthcare, right? So we, we really are looking for not only good markets, but also sub-markets that have a lot of strong employers with a diverse base of, of various employers in different sectors. So we can re feel really confident that we're going to be able to attract our target residents for each property. And then we're going in and finding stuff that receives cash flow from day one, but you know, we're buying existing assets, usually older builds, say uh, anything built before the 2000s. And then we are usually going in there and finding ways to add value through increasing the income, whether it's increasing up to market rents or finding other income streams or decreasing the expenses, just running the property overall more efficient. That way the investors can receive strong cash flow year over year. Um, usually we'll target uh, anywhere between five to seven or six to eight year holds. So it's, it's a relatively longer holds. And then, uh, you know, we're also gonna be able to find, realize a lot of appreciation on the back end because commercial real estate is all focused on the income approach, right? That That's how you're going to, uh, you know, when you buy a single family house, it's really much based, it's really based off of the comps in the neighborhood. 
and you know how much your neighbor's house sold for is what's going to determine how much your house is selling for. In multifamily, it's valued very differently. It's valued completely on the income approach. So it's really the the net operating income that determines the purchase price. So if you go in with a lower net operating income, then you're going to go out and sell it with. Uh, usually, you're going to realize a, a higher uh, purchase price upon the sale. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Got it. Man, that's just so much valuable information. Just to probably just took two minutes to answer, but you know, because <laughs> you you see, Dylan is the expert on this space. So you know, guys, you know, press please press like and share if you enjoy the video so far because we're bringing you the best people in the industry, and Dylan is is one of them. So please go and check it out him as well. Find the links down below. You know, um, if somebody's here who's watching right now is interested, maybe he wants to start doing syndications himself or start to raise capital. Where where person can start doing that? What what did it took for you? Because uh, you said you've been you've been part of the you know high net worth uh, people, but what was the first steps for you to do? You know to 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 be in this business. Yeah. So the unique thing about this business is there's no one cookie cutter blueprint to getting into the space, right? Um, I, I my first deal was 21 units, uh, my first multifamily deal. Um, my partner started off with uh, again 25 units, started off with a small deal. Um, and on that first deal, I put a lot of my skin in the game. Um, it was not a syndication, and I recommend a lot of people start there if you have some extra capital to go out there and find a deal that you can purchase yourself, right? We actually have this, you know, we have four different businesses running under one roof here. We have a management business, an investment business, we have a loan brokerage, and then we also have the education component. So in the education component, we're kind of teaching people stuff on how to get into their first deal. And that, that's really where it starts, I think, is just starting with whatever capital you do have um, to, to put some kind of skin in the game and get some kind of an acquisition, uh, you know, maybe with some partners on board if you don't have enough to buy a whole deal yourself. And then starting to learn the process and learn what it, what goes into the takeover process and the asset management process and your self-managing, learn you know developing systems for that. So I think that's how to get into multifamily first. And then in terms of syndication, there's a couple different ways, right? The two biggest ways to add value is, of course, finding the deal or raising the capital. Um, I think finding the deal is probably the, the more difficult of the, the two for many um, because although there are a lot of deals out there and it's, it's you know, a lot of these deals are listed, there's no MLS for commercial real estate, but a lot of them are listed publicly from the various brokerages. Um, so if you're on the brokerage email list, you, you'll be able to receive some of the on-market listings, but a lot of the, the best deals um, that investors are not seeing are the off-market deals. And usually you have to have some kind of a resume to be able to, to build the relationship with an investor and establish with the broker to establish that rapport to get the off-market deals. So, so I think finding deals can be a really valuable uh, skill set, but just know usually you're gonna have to look at 100 deals to find the one. And when you're starting off, it can be very difficult for you to find a deal and go kind of bird dog it and bring it to a larger group like us to receive some kind of um, partnership, right? But that is one way to do it, and I think it's not a it's not a, a bad route to go. Just just know there's a lot of work that goes into it. Um, I always like to just set realistic standards, and then the other way to get into uh, syndication, and start to build up your your credibility. Um, you know, if you're not going to you know handle the whole thing start to finish, which I usually don't recommend doing at first. I think it is good to partner with an experienced group and really start to build your your own knowledge base. But the other way, like you said, is to raise capital. Um, capital can be great because all money is treated the same essentially, right? Uh, no matter where the money is coming from, you're going to get the same returns out of the out of the deal. And I think there's a lot of sponsors out there. 
And we currently have, haven't partnered with anyone to raise capital for us. We pretty much try to, we're vertically integrated, so we try to do a lot of this in-house. Um, but there are a lot of sponsors out there, operators that are, that are in need of some uh, uh, extra capital to where they may partner with you if you're able to raise um, a certain amount of capital for them to help them fund and, and grow their deals. So if you have, uh, you know, if you're in a network of, you know, say doctors or, or attorneys, or you know, you're in the technology field, right? If you're in some, or an entrepreneur, right? If you're, if you're in some of these different networks that have a lot of high net worth um, individuals around you, then you might be in a good position to start to first start to educate yourself, maybe start to invest passively yourself into syndications, and then begin to kind of plant seeds with the folks that are around you um, uh, and tell them, share the exciting news about what you're doing and then eventually being able to build your own brand and, and raise investor capital, partnering with someone that has experience. Okay. So, so can, can I just, uh, you know, track back and see if, if I heard that right? So you're saying if a person doesn't have uh, an access to a high net worth individuals or the person doesn't have a business, he should start uh, investing on his own money into the deals. Let's say it's going to be 12 or, you know, what's the, what's the number? It's four units uh, plus counts as a commercial property. Technically, yeah, anything over four units, it's kind of tough to evaluate the so, um, the smaller units in my, in my head. Um, you know, I think it makes sense to, to probably start somewhere around 20 uh, plus units. I think that's, okay. uh, it's a, it, you know, you really start to realize the economies of scale at that level and it becomes a little bit easier to underwrite the deal on the front end yeah yeah and it costs less i mean you, you know everybody's getting paid enough because you know you have to have enough doors to get to get so everybody would get paid you know because the, the the management won't rip you off and stuff like that so i, I mean making sense Correct. so coming back coming back to that you know like okay and if you have uh, a net worth individuals and you have maybe the business that you do you know full time so you're going to rent recommend for that person to go into the syndication straight away or to invest his own capital still and, and, and acquire his own deals? Yeah, I think it makes sense to acquire your own deals first. Um, or if you're going to invest and and you plan on being an operator in the syndication space, it's, uh, you know, it, it just takes a lot of dedication to your learning and finding someone that has experience that offers you the ability to, uh, to partner. Hmm. Okay. And what if somebody says somebody's watching now thinking, okay, listen, I, I'm not high net worth individual. I know I don't know nobody, no doctors, nobody, everybody's around me broke. You know, I'm broke. I don't I don't have any money, right? And like, you know, this situation. So how do I start? Like, what's the first step? I want to be in real estate, I wanna do syndications, but you know, I don't have a business, I don't have the money. You know, is it possible for a person, you know, just to dive in? Uh, without the experience, maybe he's, you know, read something or heard something, he's following maybe some, you know, the right people, let's say, you know, and, you know, just based based on that, would you recommend for people to go in or, or build build some sort yeah, of... A... It depends on who it is. I think anything with the right amount of discipline and determination is possible, right? Sure. I think it is possible um, to set, you know, realistic expectations. I don't think it's easy, right? I don't think it's a shiny object that you know just because you you've heard about it and it sounds like it's profitable i don't think it's something you should just jump into or, or dabble with i think it's something that uh if you've really studied up on it and you feel like it's something that you want to dedicate decades of your life to then then you should probably you know, you know then you should probably find a way of going about doing it uh, maybe in in that case um you know it, it's a longer term view because it's a long-term game but maybe you go work for someone that is doing it right maybe you find uh, you, you know, take some of your skill sets and go to work and either go to work for free if you have to, right? Uh, 
right? Um, because maybe you don't have the skill sets to get a, get hired right away, but maybe you offer your time for free and investing into relationships. Um, you know, find some way of seeking to serve. I always say you can either seek to serve or pay to play when it comes to finding mentors and finding ways to get educated. So maybe there's some way that you can add value to someone else out there. Um, but you know, even even with that, it's difficult, right? Because if you're not familiar with underwriting deals and, and things like that, you know, they're going to have to invest a lot back into you. So I think that's that that's really the the challenge that starting off everyone has to go through is that first off, they don't know what market to look and they don't know how to get into their first deal. They don't know what they want long term. So I think it's getting crystal clear in what you want, right? And and truth be told, you know, if you look at syndication, it, it's a real business and it's it's very active business, right? This is not a business to just sit back and create passive income and and just you know travel and and just not have to work anymore, right? That this is not the way the way to do this it, is, right? This, it, this is not the Instagram guys. No, exactly. This is uh, definitely all hands on deck, very active. Um, if you want true passive income, you're probably better off, you know, finding a way to make enough capital so you can invest it into syndications with sponsors or or finding ways to get into your own deal of some sort and just holding it long term uh, for cash flow. So that's why I always say get clear on what you want first because not everyone wants what this business entails and and I always try not to sugarcoat it and make it sound easy. It's definitely a lot of work and there's a lot a lot of moving parts that go into it. Um, but that being said, um, I always say that if you're if you're doing the right things uh, and you're working hard, then then doors will open. So maybe doing the right things when you're starting off is just reading all the books, going to every networking event that you can get, you know, you can get in front of, listening to podcasts like yours, right? Listening to guys that are doing it and 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 just you know, networking and, and, and eventually something may click where you can start to find a, find a way to, to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Love it. Love it, man. So, you, you know, the, the, yeah, let, I'm not going to start, you know, talking about that, but let's jump in a, in a, in a something a little bit deeper, you know, about how to find the deals and all, and all that, because like a lot of people that are going to be listening, they're not from States. A lot of them are from States. And, uh, you know, as, as you guys who are watching here in Europe, maybe, you know, we don't have a lot of multifamily deals around. There is because mm -hmm. I spoke with some people, uh, especially here in the Ireland market, and they they known as, a, as an investors in a, in a real estate space. But, you know, it's a different subject I want to talk about. But it's basically they're saying there is no not multifamily deals around in Ireland. I'm like, man, listen. I'm not an investor and I know like those deals are available and I was just pointed at and like look you know that offering memorandum like so it's available but you have to look like we don't have thousands of thousands of of, of, of units you know in here yeah. though it's possible to, to do what what uh, Dylan is doing but you know I want to talk specifically to the US market how do you choose um, maybe how do you pick your market for for investing and should somebody invest uh, out of state yeah well that's a great question and i think yeah in ireland and, and most of the rest of the world uh you don't have you know it is actually something that is pretty unique to the united states in terms of the large complexes yeah. um, and i think the cap rates in the united states are higher as well i think it's a lower cap rate environment in most of europe from my understanding yeah. um so i think when you look at the states um you know the benefits are that you know what one of the best things that multifamily has going for it, I'd say is the debt that's available. Multifamily out of any other real estate class has the absolute best terms uh, in terms of the financing that's available, right? And usually you're gonna finance 80, uh, anywhere between 60% to 80% of the deal 
through a bank and we have you know federally backed loans with Fannie and Freddie you have a lot of private bank loans there's a how lot much, of how much how much do you recommend for people to how much to, to leverage on a debt I mean is it, is it, it just depends on the deal there's no there's no magic way of doing it um, depends on the deal how much risk you're willing to take on and things like that um, a lot of don't over leverage or what would you what are saying? You don't want to over leverage, but you also don't want to under leverage um, and have no returns, right? So what's, so what's the risky, what's the risky number? Let's say, you know, like, uh, what, not 90%? I mean, if, if the deal is, it depends on a deal, how much bank is going to give you, right? Yeah, here's the thing. Yeah, it depends on the deal, like you said. So there's, there's usually if you're going through the most secure type of financing, which is your non-recourse debt that's available through Fannie and Freddie, Usually, you're going to be DCR constrained at some extent. So, yeah. what that typically means? It has to means, be 1.25. Yeah. So, you're going to have your debt coverage ratio, meaning that your net operating income has to be, you know, at least 125% uh, of whatever your debt payments are to buy the deal. So, the, the banks know this. They study this stuff. In some markets, it's 1.35 even. Um, and they, they know what level of risk they're willing to take on. So they're almost there like a safety net for you if you're using traditional financing to make sure that you're not over leveraging yourself. So I'd say most deals, people become debt constrained at a certain point. Um, but you know, usually you're, we, usually in most deals, you know, we're going in confident enough to maximize our leverage um, until the point where we're debt constrained um, because usually we're doing value add deals that we, we plan on increasing the net operating income um, in the first place. But if you go out there and use you know, bridge financing, um, which is kind of like alternative financing, which is recourse and it's, it's risk, it can be riskier, higher interest rate, um, then that's where you really want to be thoughtful about what your debt coverage is because they might, they might accept a 1.0 debt coverage ratio or even less in some cases. So in those cases, you want to be more thoughtful about that. And that, that's all, mm. I can't break that down here. It's really a deal yeah. by deal scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, so people should invest into, let's say somebody's starting right now in California and, you know, California maybe is not the right market for them, you know, they can't find the deals, you know, it's, it's too expensive, you know, they don't have the capital for, for it, but it's possible to buy a deal somewhere in Georgia. So should someone uh, consider doing that in the beginning when they started? Yeah, yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, is it easy? No, right? I think calling um, calling brokers from California, most deals are done through brokers, right? There's not as much of the direct to owner deals that get done. They do happen from time to time, especially as you grow in the space, um, but it's mostly through brokers. That's really your key to the castle in terms of you know finding the right deal. And if you're the California buyer with no experience or you're in Europe with no experience, right? And you're calling to different brokers in the States, um, you really have to have quite the message behind you to convince them that you're serious, that you're ready to close in the deal, right? So number one, if you're going to attempt to do that, I think you want to fly out very often to your target market, walk a lot of deals, meet a lot of brokers on a face-to-face -face basis and start to develop really strong relationships. Um, because I think that, you know, it, it, just knowing that, you know, being the guy behind your computer making some calls is going to be difficult for you to truly um, win the deal. So I think flying out, making trips um, to different things makes a lot of sense. Or you partner with someone that's boots on the ground. It's probably even a better method to go at first, right? If you have capital or you're raising capital, whatever you're bringing to the table, you may want to find someone that lives in your target market that's also interested in the space or maybe has done deals before and develop some kind of a partnership 
where you play your role, but they play their role, and they're able to beat a boots on the ground that represents you. Even getting a loan when you live across the country, or you live in it, you live out of the country, is difficult um, because a lot of times they like to have a boots on the ground in the local area to feel comfortable with the loan. Yeah, yeah, and you, and you spoke before. I remember last time we spoke briefly for a few minutes. You mentioned it's uh, you know some people who are investing out of state. I mean, out of country, people people from from you know different. Uh, continent investing into deals into states so that's available also right it is yeah absolutely there's there's plenty of out of country uh you know investors that do invest into the states and we, you know we we're going to be open for that for uh syndications if people want to invest passively it's it, it's a unique asset class that like you said is very hard to find in any other place in the world right now um of course you know big institutions are doing deals in other countries as well so there's real estate opportunities any anywhere um, you look, but um, yeah, out, out of state or out of country investors are definitely, um, you know, they, they definitely still play in the same uh, market pretty often. Yeah, yeah, because again, there's not many of these properties here in Europe. So people with money, like, you know, like high net worth people, you know, they are looking for place to put their money because the bank is not, is not the place anymore. So those people are looking for places, you know, like, and real estate is yep. just, you know, you, you, you like you provide, you know, I checked on your page before I did a due diligence. So you provide a good return, you know, for, for people's money. So, so people yeah, are just want to protect, they want to protect their capital. Typically targeting 8% cash flows, um, you know, year over year. And that's, that's just directly a lot of times upon per, purchase or takeover. And then we're usually going to raise that anywhere between eight to 10% year over year. And then with the back end, including the appreciation on the sale, it's usually an average of north of 15% on, on that for the investors. So I know it is difficult, especially for the cash flows to find that in real estate in many other countries uh, at yeah. this point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So would you give a, a, a one tip or, or maybe your best advice when it comes to underwriting deals for people who are starting into this space? Well, practice, practice, practice. I think that's really the key. I think uh, when, when you're looking at underwriting deals, there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of work that goes into it. If you have a mentor of some sort that can kind of look, double check you and look over your deal and tell you where you missed, uh, I think that's probably the most helpful thing it was for me when I was learning. Um, but it, it really comes down to it. it sometimes, you know, I, I've led meetups and been around, you know, do some consulting. And I, I've been around a lot of people starting off in the business. And I think that's sometimes the elephant in the room where they want to, you know, kind of avoid underwriting because it's this big, big, scary thing. And it's really not that hard. Uh, it's not that complex. It just takes discipline and practice and having the right tool in place. Um, and then, you know, as you look at enough deals, you'll start to develop confidence there. And your confidence in your underwriting is going to equate to confidence on the phone with brokers. It's going to equate to confidence in your offers, and it's going to help you get into that first deal. Hmm. Okay. So, how long does it take for you? Let's say for a person, how long does it should it take to underwrite a deal? You know, because everybody's saying some people are saying. Oh, it's going to take five minutes and somebody's saying it's going to take three days. Well, what's the number? What, yeah. How long did it take for you to? That's a good question. I don't think you should ever put it in an offer if you've spent less than 30 minutes on the deal. You know, I think you should, you should definitely be able to uh, um, do quick underwritings as well though, right? We have a, we call it the back of the napkin uh, tab on, on our underwriting tool that we pretty much do a quick run through. Um, but before I even look at the numbers, I'm looking at the deal itself, the physical location, the proximity to employers, the median income in the area, the crime rate, and then if that all checks out, then I'm gonna run the quick and dirty numbers and, and basically get a, a feel for if I'm in the ballpark of what the broker's asking for. 
Um, and then I'll usually call them and, and make sure I am in the ballpark. And if it's worth uh, looking deeper into, then I'll sharpen my pencil and, and go into more of a, a thorough underwriting where I'm looking at it over a five-year timeline. And that process can take you know, an hour or so, um, or sometimes more. It really depends on the deal itself and, and how thorough we're going to go before our, our initial offer. And usually it's you know, it's like a five round process of you know your your market analysis, your then it's your first round of financial analysis, then a next underwriting, then your best and final underwriting, and so on. Okay. And do you have a do you have a team to, to back it? I mean, does other people from your team they look at the deals also? You know, at the same deals, if you find somebody and you you think it might be a potential investment. Yeah, we have, you know, there's four of us that are partners. We don't have, um, currently, we don't have in-house analysts or anything like that. It is something that we we were definitely um, looking into in the near future um, as we continue to grow. But um, as as time being, um, there's four of us, so we all bounce ideas off each other and, and you know, give, it a, give it a second look to make sure we all feel confident about it. Yeah, so it is the most important thing, basically, in the first place, it has to be, it has to fit the criteria for, for the deal, right? Yep, exactly. So how, how strong does the criteria have to be for somebody, you know? Can, can they like go off a little bit, you know, if I'm if I'm good, the first deal have to be, as you said, 20 plus units, but maybe I don't have the capital, you know, for, for 20, so maybe I will do just a little bit short, like 15. Yeah, I think that's fine. Yeah, do, yeah and I think, you know, it's never, um, you can get caught up in, in so many places with analysis paralysis and trying to find the perfect deal in the perfect market at the perfect time. And um, in reality, your first deal, uh, I don't know if I've ever seen a perfect first deal, right? Um, because you don't, you're still learning, right? So I think going into it, um, yeah, having some kind of flexibility is, is important. Yeah, but you don't like, if, if my, like, if I, if I determine to invest into uh, B type of properties, B type of maybe C type of locations, I don't wanna change that to D type of properties in D type of locations. You know what I'm saying? Like, can, can people like, Oh, I don't have that, you know, start making excuses and start like uh, not following uh, basically the, the, the property type that you want to invest in. Yeah. yeah, if you start to, you know, veer off and, and you know, you don't want to get stuck in um, just the m mindset of getting a deal done for the sake of getting a deal done. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's definitely where you can get hurt is when you start to, to justify and start to, uh, you know, lower your standards. Okay, okay, got it. So... Okay, we, we, so we spoke about the financing. You guys can rewind back to, to, to look at it, you know, like, so, so you say don't over leverage, right, about, about the financing. And uh, what, do you, what do you think, like, when it comes to that, like, because people are scared about the banks. They think bank is the enemy. Is, is, how do you look at the banks? Is bank the enemy? Because you said, you know, it might help you to underwrite the deals and, you know, see if it's a potential, you know, if you actually can acquire it and, you know, is it even hard for a person who's starting in the first place, like to, to get a loan from a bank? Yeah, I mean, what they're gonna be looking for yeah. from, from a person? Yeah, so it shouldn't be that difficult. I think the banks are, you know, our, our friends and they can be the biggest uh, partner of ours, right? That's why we started a in-house loan brokerage because um, we know that there's a lot of people that are still seeking how to find the best areas to, to get their financing. Um, so we've started a, it's, it's a broker format where pretty much we have all of our connections that we work with in our own deals. We offer that to others. But as far as, um, you know, financing what you need, typically you need a net worth equal to the entirety of the loan balance. 
So if you have a $10 million loan, you need a $10 million uh, net worth behind that. And that can be you know, two people with $5 million net worths as well. It can be a collective uh, net worth. And then usually you need at least six months, six to 12 months of, of liquidity from the group. Um, so funds that are either completely liquid or very easily accessible um, to make sure that, you know, if there is a downturn that you're able to fund the, uh, the deficit, that's typically what the, uh, the banks look for. Uh, it's not as much in the residential space. It's, you know, they're all looking at your debt to income ratio on a personal level. They're looking at your tax, you know, your credit score and things like that. This is less of that. It's more about how much your net worth and liquidity are. Okay. Okay. Got it. And of course, how, how does the deal make sense? Like I said, they can, they can act as a safety net for you and they're vetting the deal just as much as you are because they want to make sure it's a good spot to place their capital. Exactly. Exactly. So as you're saying again, you know, the bank is not the enemy because the, the people have the opposite reaction. I mean, the bank, I'm going to go to the bank and this is like the enemy. I have to prove him that this is like, guys, the, the, the bank is trying to be on your, on your side because they don't want to lose their investment. Uh, that they doing, yeah. you know, by putting, you know, into this deal. So can you just talk about the best and the worst investments that you did and what did you learn from it? Yeah. So in terms of the, uh, the, the best investment I've done, let's think about that. I mean, I, I think, uh, the best investment you can make is an investment into yourself. You know, I think that's, that's, uh, for me, you know, I spent a lot of time reading, um, you know, I, I definitely had you know, a fair amount of mentors in my life, people that I consulted with, to, to help me, uh, you know, on my own journey. And I think, um, you know, it starts there really is, is investing into yourself. Um, as far as best, uh, best real estate deal. Um, you know, I am very happy about the, uh, the first syndication that we did closing back in, uh, last November. Um, you know, we had a target of 7% uh, return for the first year because it was a heavy, it, it was more of a, it, I want to say it's a heavy value add because we're not doing heavy renovations, but it was it was definitely an operationally inefficient and it was very far below market uh, rents in terms of uh, where the rates were. So that deal, we projected 7% year one, we're already on pace to north of 11% year one and, and everything's looking good for, for the future of it. So we've been very happy with that. And, and I think, um, you know, it, it, that's that's really what we try to do is set the bar to, at a place that we, we believe we can achieve or outperform. and. And that was just a crystal clear um, model of that being done. In terms of worst deal, um, you know, I think uh, I, I, there's a reason I sold my single family and my duplex. I think that, uh, you know, those deals, I, I bought them at practically the market level just because I saw, I saw them as long-term cash flow opportunities. But what I've realized um, is, is that for me, any investment that I make, I want to have not just cash flow, but I also want to have the opportunity to have it appreciate on the back end. So in that case, I realized that you know, we're at the top of, uh, of, of a long cycle right now, and I was going to have to hold those for the next 10 years if I was going to realize uh, any true appreciation off them. So I think it makes sense as you're looking at any kind of investment, ask yourself, you know, am I buying it at some level of a discount? Is there is there some way I can either, if, it, if you're buying a residential house, make sure you're buying it either um, one that needs a lot of reposition so you can force appreciation or buy at a time in the market cycle where you can create a lot of appreciation. Um, if you're buying multifamily, it's really the same thing, finding out you know how you can create additional income streams or, or raise the rents to be able to create additional income or lower the expenses. Yeah, okay, okay. So because, you know, I, I'm, I'm so glad that you cleared this out and I guess there's gonna be a lot of dislikes after 
after your comment here, you know, because people like, man, the duplex, like the duplex and the single family, like, you know, it, it's the wealthy, the landlord is the who owned the house and stuff like that. I mean, you know, like even in the Europe, like, would you recommend for somebody to invest into like buy buy a one single like family home somewhere let's say in Ireland somewhere in, in maybe you're not familiar with, with Ireland maybe somewhere in Dublin and then some you know like 300 yeah. kilometers away another place and 300 300 kilometers in different place should you recommend like for per person to do that or just say listen just get focused like because investing into multifamily deals is available even if you're a different different continent. Maybe you should focus on that and just, you know, get educated and, you know, learn about that and just prepare for that big move. Or would you recommend, you know, for them to like invest in the small deals, which, which you did before? Yeah, it's all really comes down to a deal by deal basis, right? There's still phenomenal deals in any, any sector of real estate or any type of investing, that being said. So I think it comes down to the deals that you're looking at and what your return, what your standards are for your returns. Um, you know, if you're buying something that's, already fully renovated and it has very low cash flow and not much opportunity for appreciation then then you should probably look elsewhere right but i think it all comes down to what the deals look like out there and i'm not as familiar with the market in terms of how much cash flow you typically see out there and you know i know like in california you buy a single family house and it's usually negative cash flow right so it, it, it's tough to make that work so i think um as long as you're finding some method of being able to see cash flow for today and have the ability to force appreciation on the back end, I think that's uh, for me what I look for in, in most investments. But every investor profile is a bit different. Yeah, yeah. The the, the the reason I'm asking you this, you know, because like there's a lot of people who are investing into houses, buying houses, and they don't have a clue what's going on in the market. I mean, the market is going to shift, uh, you know, anytime. You know, and, and things will, will get ugly again, right? Am I right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, but some people don't know about that. And they, you know, they just have a regular jobs. Maybe they work in factory or doctors or somebody investing in the in those type of, doing those type of investments. And they think they're doing the right thing. But they don't know what's going to happen in the future because they think, oh, the real estate, man, everybody's is doing it. So I have to follow, you know. And a lot of people still give the advice. You know, because only multifamily can survive those type of downturns. You know, only those crises, only the, the right multifamily investments. You can yep. also buy the, the, the wrong ones, right? Yeah, but, absolutely. You know, the right investment can survive that. I mean, multi, you know, a single family home, I don't know. I don't know because, you know, everybody's still saying, oh, go and flip, you know, the flip. Somebody's is doing, saying, oh, go and flip. Somebody's the wholesale, oh, invest into the house. Like, who should people start listening and making the right choices? Because a lot yeah. of people, you know. Yeah, no, it's a really good point. Um, I think even, you know, I have friends that do extremely well wholesaling and flipping houses. I just saw that being more of a, a transactional process. And I saw, you know, the, the amount of volume that you have to do to produce. Um, you know, I saw it being just just more than I, I desired, I guess, in my, in, in my with my personal goals. Um, so you can do really well in all aspects of real estate if you're, if you're a professional, but I think that's what it comes down to, right? That's why our, our slogan with our team is, is partner with professionals, right? Because, um, you know, we live in the multifamily space. We have a vertically integrated business with four different companies that, you know, eat, sleep and breathe, uh, multifamily, right? So I think that, you know, for us, this is something that we're focused on 24 seven. So, uh, in an instance where 
you're maybe a doctor, right? And you might work 10 hour shifts, five, six days a week, uh, but you can squeeze in two hours a week to focus on your real estate. Maybe it makes sense for you to partner with professionals um, on that because if, you know, if any of us ever ran into a challenge or we had to go visit a doctor, we're gonna go see a professional to get you know, the, the best help possible versus trying to figure it out. And I think real estate uh, you know, treated, right, uh, treated as professional is, you know, that's how you're going to see lasting returns and quality returns and things like that. So, so really, you know, we, we always encourage everyone, um, you know, we're all for people going out there and doing their own deals and being very successful. Um, and we want them to do that, but we want them to treat it as professionals from day one. And, and I think that's, that's the whole shift in mindset that I would always have is, like I said, not treating this like a shiny object or just kind of like a, an occasional hobby, but treating it like a professional. Um, even if you do have limited time to dedicate, make sure you're disciplined in dedicating that time and focused on dedicating that time and make sure it's something you truly want to be involved with um, at a higher level in, in the long term. Yeah, yeah, great, great point. Exactly. So thanks. Thanks for answering my question, you know, that, in that way. So can you can you just tell people about the importance again, you know, having a team and how do how do somebody should, should structure it? Because you mentioned, you know, maybe somebody is working as a doctor and he's doing that full time, you know, 14, 16 hours a day and he doesn't have time to, you know, to find the right deals and maybe invest into the right deals because the multifamily is still available, right? Those deals are available, but maybe he doesn't have time. So leveraging like your money, maybe finding the partners and building a team to find those deals and how people should uh, structure it in the first place. Well, that's exactly that, right? Maybe he has the net worth, maybe he has the money to go find the other guy that we spoke about, who's the guy that doesn't have the money and he just has the, the burning desire and, and he has the time to educate himself and go walk fields, right? So I think that's, it's exactly that. It's just finding the people that, that can fill in the gaps to make a good partnership. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So do you have a, like, what, what the contingency plan can person implement if the exit strategy fails? Any advice on that? Well, I think you, you really want to evaluate how you're purchasing, right? Because your, your purchase should be in alignment with your exit strategy. And I think if you can secure fixed rate, longer term debt, which is usually our, our strategy, um, then you're able to provide yourself with optionality in terms of your exit. Um, because the last thing you want to do is be stuck in a position where you're a forced seller and the buyers have the upper hand on you. I think uh, having long-term fixed rate debt and good cash flow gives you the chance to really evaluate when the, the opportune time to sell is. And if it doesn't work out at that time, you have the option to sell at another time. Yeah, okay. So th that's based for uh, multifamily market specifically. What about the, the housing market, about the single family? Well, I think uh, same thing there. And if you're buying single family rentals, um, just make sure you have cash flow, right? I think cash flow is your your savior in single family or multifamily because in tough times where rents are lower or occupancy is lower, um, then you know you want to have cash flow to get through um, the tough times, and that's well, well, that well, is the challenge I, with single family. Yeah. If someone what if, out, uh, if the cash flow is negative, I mean, I'm losing more money than I'm making. What about that? I wouldn't buy it. So, so again, yeah. that's that's the point, guys. Like, you know, like if you don't, like if you don't take like villain's advice, you know, like and like get obsessed first of all, you know, like knowing this is the space I want to be in, 
don't like dabble like, oh, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be a marketer, uh, you know, I will be a professional at my job in, in sales and I will do real estate. I'm like, how many things are you doing? You just real estate, right? Yep. So that's what you guys, if you want to be successful, successful at this, follow Dylan, like go and check it out, uh, his, um, his, his company and what, what they do, what type of investments they do. And, you know, just follow his advice, you know, because like a lot of people would get hurt in the next cycle, I think, because they've just following their, their wrong advice, you know, and like, again, you know, like what, what's going to be the option for them? Like if they're losing money on a, on a, like on a, on a house, you know, well, well I'm going to sell, I'm going to give it away. Like what's, what's the option? So yeah, I, don't exactly. know. I, I don't know, it's going to be tough, but it, I mean, it, it's for those people to figure this out, right? Well, that's why you know you, you have shows like yours in place, right? And that's that's the exactly. whole goal, right? Spread, exactly. spread the right message and, and educate the group. So I think it's a great thing that you're you're doing here. Exactly, because you know, like it doesn't make sense. Like how many times, guys? Could, because there's a lot of people still thinking about buying a house, buying like a duplex, and look how many people, like you know, in in the space, people who are investing having thousands of units, like they they don't talk about you know like like house buy a house buy a duplex or a four you know they're talking about the huge huge properties right because because that's where the money is that that's where that's where the wealth is you know even the guys i i remember watched this video of the guy he used to own like 500 no i'm, I'm sorry that that was a dean do you know dean graziosi yeah yeah he used to like he owned thousands 500 something houses or something like that so he said i will sell them all at the end of the year but, but, you know until this end of the year because he said wow. i want to go big into like multifamily even those guys you know they don't talk about like they are selling they are selling when you are buying yep. so guys, you know like who do you follow guys for, for for advice you know this show is not sparkling i don't have any fancy you know fancy like going through through the screen but this is the the truth that people need to hear you know that you need to invest into multi-family units. So, um, what, what do you look specifically when touring the property? Is there specific things, you know, you underwrite a deal and you know, it looks good on a paper, but you wanna go and visit that and do the due diligence over there. What do you look for? Yeah, I would say you, you wanna look for the big expense items um, that, that might, you wanna budget in. Um, say, see what the roofs look like. First, see what type of roofs they are. We usually prefer pitch roofs um, because they usually last a little bit longer. Um, you can see what the materials that the roofs and the siding are made out of. Um, but you know, you want to see what age the roofs were, uh, what, what age the roofs are when they were last replaced. Same thing goes for HVAC. Um, and it, and it's twenty for 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 roof. It's twenty five years. I uh, usually. 10, 10 years, 20, 25 would be a really long time ago. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so if the property was built 1990s or, or, or maybe 2000 or maybe in 2000s, like, and, and you have five year exit strategy and how is that going to affect, affect the, the whole thing? Well, usually they should have been replaced at some point, but if they haven't been yet, then yeah, maybe you want to consider, it all depends on the condition, right? If maybe you're in, California and doesn't rain a whole lot there. Maybe it's in better condition than if you're in the Northeast where you're getting rain and snow every year, right? So I think just taking a look at what the condition is, but you want to just budget in for what could go wrong, um, right? Because there's a lot of things that could go wrong, especially when you have old roofs and old HVAC and and uh, you know maybe leaky pipes, things that can uh, uh, can cost you a lot of money over time. So I think that's that's really what we're looking for. And then in addition to that, you're looking at 
you know, the property itself, uh, you're getting a good feel for the type of people that live there, who your, who the residents are that you're catering towards, um, getting a good feel for what the unit mix is, um, getting a good feel for the walkability of the area, what are the local stores in the area, um, where do most people here work, um, what does the parking lot look like, what kind of condition is it in, is there enough parking for the residents, what are the amenities, are there washer dryer hookups, we find that's the number one a most, most demanded amenity across the board um, and least supplied. Um, so you want to just take a look you know, across the board at, at, at the overall fundamentals on the property. Mm, okay. So, it, it, and if it matches then the writing, I mean, you, you know, like how many properties did you, like you, you checked, you, you did the due diligence on paper and then you went and checked the property and, and it was the, the, the opposite, like. It happens pretty often, right? And that's the challenge if you're investing from uh, out of state or out of country, right? If you're not actually taking trips to the market, then that's what you wind up with, right? Is you wind up with this deal that looks like you found uh, the magic golden egg, right? But then you go out and you visit it and uh, you, you find out that you're in a rougher part of town and, and uh, it's just not something you want to be near, right? Now, of course, you can, you can also find this stuff out by looking at the income in the zip code or I, like a, I look at the census tract or you can look at the, uh, the crime rates. There are other triggers out there, um, but you know, there's, there's of course a lot of the worst deals out there look like the best deals on paper if you're just purely looking at it from a, a number standpoint. Okay, yeah, got it. So basically how many times, like do people lie a lot in the real estate space? Like if I'm gonna go and uh, the owner is gonna be like, oh, listen, we just changed these roofs like um, half a year ago. And then you see he's like, it's painted. And then it, you yeah. know, it's, it says it's a copper wiring and then it's like iron. Like, did yeah, it, I, I, I think in our space, I think it happens a little bit less because a lot of times we're looking at deals that are you know, 200 plus units. And uh, usually you're dealing with more institutional buyers that value their reputation and, and things like that, right? Um, you still have the, the mom and pop owners as well. and. Um, there are you know, mistakes people make, but I think we don't run into a lot of people directly lying, but um, sometimes they'll try to uh, just kind of slip stuff under the rug, right? It won't, it won't be a direct lie, but it will be something that they just forgot to tell us about, right? And then, then of course, that's, that's why we do a very thorough inspection. That's why we walk every single unit. We bring a team on site because it's not, it's not what they tell you that's wrong. It's usually what they're not telling you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And how, how do you find that? I mean, do, do you have your own team in place who does the, do the yeah. process? Yeah, we have a whole team that we bring on to any, any property. We walk every single unit, take pictures. Uh, we'll run cameras down all the pipes. We, we really look at the whole property inside now. Yeah, well, you know, like I, I read, I read a, a few books myself about like syndication and stuff like, and people who are watching right now may be thinking, Man, like, because like, I know there's, and you guys who are watching right now probably know that there is a lot of things involved into like doing the syndication deals. And you know, like we, we can talk about this like hours and hours, you know, but like, right. do you have a, a book for somebody to, to, to recommend? Let's say somebody wants to uh, start like investing or maybe, you know, get, get to know into real estate space more about that, you know, for depends people. On what you want to, depends on what you want to do. I have a lot of um, books. Um, you know, eventually, a lot of your learning comes from from doing. But I think uh, you know, yeah. starting off, if you're looking at if you're looking at the legality of syndication, how to how to protect yourself if you're doing a deal or you just want to learn you know, how the overall process works, I think Gene Trowbridge's 
um, book called It's a Whole New Business is a great one. It's, it's written by a syndication attorney. We actually work with his old partner, Kim Taylor. Um, she's our, our syndication attorney in every single deal. Um, but the book, It's a Whole New World by Gene Trowbridge, um, you know, is, is a really good one at kind of explaining the ins and the outs of how the 506B and the 506C structures work and, and what to do to protect yourself and at what point you should, you should make it a formal syndication when you're doing a deal. Um, I always got to recommend uh, by and Jake and Gino, it's Jake Senziano and Gino Barbaro. There's uh, Wheelbarrow Profits. Um, and that's a, that's the first book on multifamily that I picked up. And, and, um, and I think it, the, they outline it in, in our three-step strategy that we use to this day, which is buy right, finance right, manage right, right? And it, and it walks through how to develop your own parameters that are gonna assist you in going out there and finding your own deal or, or how, how to look at deals that you're considering investing into with the, uh, a deal sponsor. Um, so yeah, I think that those two are, are good ones. Yeah, love it. You, you know, and I love especially what you said in the first place. It was like, I asked you, what's the book? And you said, it's not a book. You need to walk the property. Like you, you need to like, you know, cause again, th that's why I asked the question because like everybody's, not everybody, you know, I'll, I'll take that back guys. Some people are looking like, what's the next book? What's the next answer? Like the answer is not in a book. It's like into walking the properties, like building the team, you know, like this, this is the hard stuff that people need to do, you know, but nobody yeah. wants, everybody's just looking for this. You know, like quick answer. What's the book? What's the the training course? What's the like? You know, guys, like it's simple. Like go and go and walk the properties first. You know, like build a team as as, as you know as Dylan said. You know, yeah. and grab, you, you gotta get you gotta get the book knowledge at one point. You have to go yeah. and dive into all the books, learn all the language. Um, otherwise, yeah. no one's gonna take you seriously if you don't know what you're talking about. So you have to get all the book knowledge uh at first but after reading uh you know uh, a good handful of books and taking a lot of the online courses you know for yeah. me i've taken a ton of online courses i've taken ccim take, uh, read every book i can get my hand on in the first 12 months of studying this stuff so mm. you, you have to go through that phase but after a certain point um you're really going to have a lot of the basics down and and then it comes down to action right exactly exactly but because it can it can become an analysis paralysis you know like i, I know a lot of people that are stuck in this educational process they just study study and, and look for uh, you know an exit which is uh, there is no exit over there so mm -hmm. uh what you mentioned some real estate technology that, that you use um in, in you you know while investing is there a specific like technology that helps you while investing you mentioned one before i, I can't remember the name um I, I mean, we use uh, we use Excel just for all of our underwriting stuff for the most part. Uh, okay. We use a lot of different online sites um, to, to source data. Um, a lot of this, most of it's free stuff. I don't think you need any of the paid data services um, in the beginning uh, or even even now where we are. Um, I think, uh, you know, most there's a lot of uh, brokerages that will release data on the markets. Um, there's a lot of websites um, that can track, you know, the, the uh, different counties and, and the median income and things like that. So if you really search around, there's a ton of resources out there that help you with data, even stuff like rent comps and things like that. Would you, would you recommend like for people to go and start investing into some, you know, like let's say the multifamily calculators, you know, like how to calculate the deal and maybe buying a, a RCM and you know, all these things, is, is it worth it for, for people at the beginning or do they just- I, mean, I don't know how else you're, you're gonna underwrite a deal in the beginning, right? Unless you, uh, unless you're, 
uh, I guess unless you get one for free or, or you go out and uh, make one yourself if you're if you're proficient with Excel um, and you really understand how the deals work. But I think, um, I mean, I spent a lot of money on, on learning it you know, at first. Like I said, it's not something that's gonna be an ongoing thing, but in the first six, 12 months, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, same thing there, right? If you're trying to save money on spending a little bit of money on getting educated, then I think um, it's probably the wrong business for you, right? Because this business has so much potential and uh, I would be focused more on how do I do everything I can to learn as much as possible to be the best possible because one mistake in this business can cost you a ton of money um, and, and the time that it's going to take for you to figure all this stuff out um, and the mistakes are, can be really costly. Exactly, exactly. Great ending. Love this. So can you just remind uh, people uh, how they can invest with you and uh, what returns should investors expect from your end. Yeah, yeah, happy to. So in terms of uh, investing with us, the uh, best way to, to do it is start a conversation with us. If you visit uh, Rand, R-A-N-D, partnersllc.com, that's randpartnersllc.com yeah. on there. You're gonna you can find register. it down below, guys. Cool, you can register for our investor portal there. You can, uh, you can plug in to see either deals that we have now, or I'll also add you to, you'll receive an email from me right away where you'll we'll have a chance to set up a call. So schedule a 15 minute call with me. We'll, we'll discuss kind of your goals and I'll help out any way I can. And then we'll have you plugged in to view the upcoming deals as they come. We usually, we usually announce those only to the investors we've already spoken to on the phone and built some kind of relationship with. And at that point, we'll send you deal updates so we can always always plug in there. Um, and then just like I think uh, you and I had initially started talking on Instagram, it's, it's at Dylan, D-Y-L-A-N, Marma, M-A-R-M-A. Uh, if you guys want to reach out there or you know ask any questions feel free awesome awesome love that love that you know you you're a great guy so i really appreciate you know for for doing this and i mean you know like the, the company that you built like how long did you start it in the company well so like i said this company started uh by the, the two of our you know founders are you know jake and gina started it back in in 2013 so i've really came on board uh, beginning of last year, more so to help grow the syndication division where we started to open up the doors to outside investors. Because for a while it was just purely just in-house capital. So now I, I play a lot of, uh, a, a large role in terms of investor relations and acquisitions and kind of developing systems so that we can begin to scale and also you know, have investors partner with us on, on different uh, types of deals. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're planning to acquire, like what, what's, the, what's, the, what's the goal for you guys uh, until the end of this year? How many units more you think you're going to acquire i mean it really comes down to what the market hands us i think doing three to four deals uh this year would be great i think you know we're closing on our first one now so probably a few more deals this year um you know i think setting a uh, a goal and trying to achieve the goal just for the sake of achieving in this space is not uh it's kind of counterintuitive right you have to really just be persistently taking action looking at a lot of deals and, and then I think um, waiting, you know, because you have to be patient and persistent for the right deals to, to come up. So I think, but realistically, I think one deal a quarter um, is probably pretty, pretty achievable. Yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. So guys, you know, please, again, go and check out uh, Dylan's uh, link with, with, with the rent partners. Go and check it out the website. Get in contact with this man. You know, like, even if you're watching this video, like, in Ireland, please let me know in the comments. We can we can keep. What's well, funny because you're you're in Ireland, and I, I was we were just talking before the call. I'm actually 50% Lithuanian and 50% Irish, pretty much. So it's uh, it's pretty funny. We had that that connection starting off. <laughs> That's awesome, man! I love it. The coincidences, right? 
So guys, you, you know, everything is available. Like you still, people can still invest with you if they're in Dublin or in Lithuania or in Russia or in China, it doesn't matter for you, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah, there's some nuances to it, but um, you know, we can definitely talk about it if it's something that you're interested in and I'm sure we can make it, make it work. Yeah, yeah, of course, because the real estate, especially the most family space is the right space to be in. So Dylan, again, thanks. I appreciate for your time and for, for everything, for the information, the value that you put out for the people, man. It's just crazy. So please, again, like and subscribe that to the channel, guys. And I really appreciate you watching. I appreciate Dylan for being here. So I'll, and I'll see you until the next time. Thank you.